How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Got it again. Right side. Benson takes a look. Holds on to it. Good puck possession. Drops it back. Dolene walks and scores! Great feed from Benson and Rasmus Dahlin rips it home and Buffalo has a 1-0 lead. Bouncing puck, Paterka plays it back, Dahlin holds it, sends it in front, Skinner scores! Jeff Skinner gets the power play goal the Buffalo Sabres desperately need. And it's a 2-1 lead. Eric Johnson racing after, the aforementioned, getting around Seth Jones scores! Eric Johnson with some magic for the Sabres and gives Buffalo the lead at 3-2. He's trying to get it in front with three seconds. That is blocked in behind the net for Corey Perry in front. Saved by Lukanen at the buzzer, and that will do it. Ukopeka Lukanen with his biggest save of the night, no doubt. Sabres get two points out of Chicago. They had a one-and-one weekend, and here they sit on November the 21st, three points out of a second wildcard spot in the East. They are a game under NHL 500, and by the time they take to the ice again on Wednesday, nothing will have changed because there are no games in the (laughs) NHL tonight. So we say hello, and we welcome you back to Sabres Live. It's a brand-new week. It's Thanksgiving week, and what's on the top of your bilingual mind, Marty Barone? On the top of my mind is, uh, well, Sabres-wise, it's, okay, how do we create, how does the steam create more offense, right? They went into Chicago, and you're thinking, oh, oh, great third period against the Jets. Let's let's blow the door off the Chicago Blackhawks in their building, and let's make it happen. And, yeah, they won 3-2. Great. Um, They did not really test Mrazek all that often in that game. Like, the numbers were not... Wow, look at this offensive outburst of the Buffalo Sabres against a team that I feel that uh, you know, they they had a decent start Chicago did and then over the last couple of weeks they've they've ran into some teams that put them away and put them away early and now the Sabres did not do that. So that's one thing and then I look at there's no hockey tonight. Like this is a Tuesday night where this is usually a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday league and there's no hockey tonight, so I'm I didn't realize that until I looked at the schedule this morning. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. There was no games on tonight. So I thought that was a little weird, but hey, that's okay. It gives a night off. We get ready for tomorrow. Well, I mean, if if you're thinking that, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but if you're thinking that it's a Tuesday, Thursday league and you can't have games on Thursday, then that explains why the Tuesday is not uh, your normal option because yes. typically it falls in line with travel and 
that's it. so when you have a halt which they will on Thursday it tends to have a trickle back effect I guess and whatever I mean it is what it is um I'll be thankful. I get that whole, I'm actually grateful I, I, so. yeah I get the whole thing behind it most teams are going to play on Wednesday the night before Thanksgiving most teams play on Friday the night after Thanksgiving or the afternoon after so if you were to do you know back in the rhythm on Saturday. So a lot of teams are going to play three out of four. You can't play four out of five. So you can't play Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's just, that's normal. I, I totally understand it. Mm -hmm. But just like when they did, every team played the same day, right? Earlier in the year, mm -hmm. 16 games. There's teams that played, there's a there's four teams that played the night before. So there yeah, was teams that fine. they adjusted the schedule so they didn't have a night completely dark. And And this is a big week. Thanksgiving week has always been a big week. So mm -hmm. I just felt like, eh, well, instead of having, what did we have last night in the NHL? Like seven games, eight games. Instead of having eight games on, on a Monday night, maybe you put a few of them on Tuesday and you spread it out. Yes. You don't know what concerts were in those buildings, though. And quite frankly, yes, this is a complete waste of time trying, trying to figure out <laughs> like what, what the NHL is doing. Like, who needed the Global Series? Nobody. So whatever. Like, it's just, it is what it is. But you're right. Some people are, you know, have households full of family right now for the week and might be a nice option to have a sporting event. But anyway, I digress. Back to the Sabres, please. Yes. Uh, what's the... Uh, You mentioned that you feel like lack of scoring might be the uh, the bigger topic right now. And given that it is the week that it is, which as you and other Canadians like to say, it's U.S. Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. Uh, let's, um, I mean, and with that comes the annual cliche that there's not much movement in the market uh, until U.S. Thanksgiving. And uh, so are the... Are we going to see movement? Either do do you think the Sabres are looking at their situation with or without Tage? But unfortunately, in the immediate future, it's without Tage. And they might need a boost. Uh, should they be looking elsewhere for a boost? Should they be looking more internally for a boost? By the way, Chris Baker with us at the bottom of the hour here on Sabres Live. I, I would look internally first. Um, I don't see really anything that will give you that massive boost. And I've talked about it many times with you, Duffer, with uh, you know, our off-air conversation and, and, and with other people. I almost feel like getting not just a singular boost, but maybe a pair uh, that would come up as a boost would be probably the best place to start. And I always talk to Kulik and Roseanne and saying, okay, they, they, they come as a duo. Duo. We talked about it on our uh, uh, Sabres overtime, Sabres Live Overtime podcast yesterday. There's, that's a duo. I would do that. Um, and the reason why is because the offense, even after a really the best period of hockey, probably the Sabres have played all year long, Friday night against the Winnipeg Jets third period. It prompted Don Granado to say they've woken up. No, they 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 attacked, they skated, they they were quick, they executed, and it was off the back of Rasmus Dahlin. Let's just point that out. Like Dahlin was the beast that started it in Winnipeg. They they create they they generated one grade A chance against Chicago. One. So how do you go out and they beat Chicago? Okay, fine. But how do you go out and now beat Washington if you create one grade A chance? And how do you go out and beat the teams that are ahead of you in the standings that you're going to have to beat to make some some make up some ground and keep climbing if you generate 
two, three grade A chance. You need to generate six, seven, eight. And so for me, looking at at adding some some oomph, some fire, some some energy to the group of forwards right now is number one priority. You know, Jack Quinn is gonna get himself in shape, but when he returns late in the December, how long will it take Jack Quinn to get into the rhythm that is NHL hockey and be consistent? It's gonna take a while. It may it may happen right away, but you know, I would suggest that no training camp, no start of the season. You hit January. It's going to be tough. And when Tage Thompson comes back, let's see where we are. But right now you need that help. And that help should come internally because you know you've got a few more pieces coming up, uh, you know, and be able to be in the lineup in a little bit. Why are you so uh, focused on internal when there are clearly other teams that need uh, an infusion, a change, a boost, and it takes two typically to wake each other up? Yeah, um, I always hate when teams do these like – Oh, we're going to trade you, you know, something that doesn't work for us. And we're going to get something that doesn't work for you. And then we're going to make it work. And then the expectations that's not, are. That's not what I'm saying. No, no, no. There, there, but there are look... effective players on the Sabres that can be effective elsewhere. But if your issue is not defending, it's scoring. And you trade up a good defender to another team to get an offensive player. What's wrong with that deal? There's nothing wrong with that deal. Um, but I also think that the most likely piece to say, hey, uh, we are going to need to look at, you know, bringing in something, it's going to be Victor Olofsson. And that to me is probably the most likely piece that you would say, okay, we're going to we're gonna look to shop Victor Olofsson and we're going to look to bring somebody in. That's actually that, not even close to what I'm saying. I'm saying trade a defenseman. Well, that, I know, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying like my first, thinking when you say, okay, well, let's make a move. It's going to be, well, through a piece like Victor Olofsson to go out there. You do have a lot of defensemen on the roster, but I'm looking at the only defenseman that you can go out and trade right now or make a move with, in my opinion. Um, well, maybe there's two, but there's only you know, there's Jacob Bryson, obviously, that's sitting there as the eight defenseman right now. There's seven that are playing on, you know, at times they've gone with 7D. There's seven that are playing. I don't see Eric Johnson going anywhere. I don't see Connor Clifton going anywhere right now. And the only piece that's left would be a Henry Yokiaru. Do I want to do that? Do, do I want to part ways with Yokiaru at this moment? Um, that would be a tough decision to make. What's You'd have to get a sweet, sweet return if you were ever to make that what's trade the at this point moment. Point of making a trade? Would you not trade Yokiaru for Thomas Hurdle? Well. Um, these are yeah. hypotheticals and I'm not trying to trade Henry. I love Henry more than most people love Henry. So I'm just saying, <laughs> Marty, you know, this yeah. to be true. You've said it off air. Like it, it gets tougher. The, the closer you are to in the hunt. And when your expectations are up here, you have to make bold moves. And I'm just saying, based on how you started the show, if offense is clearly because they only have 12 goals in the last six games and only two wins in the last six games, that it's not where it was before. And, and there can be any number of reasons for that. Some of them out of your control, like injuries, but you can't just let a quarter season or so slip by. Right. 
Is yeah, it, I would I would try to... internally first just because I know I've got pieces that are coming yes. back at some point. So that's yeah. but right now it's not I don't feel like we've tried internally. We, yeah, we I, we called up Lucas Rusek and, and yes, Brandon we called Byro. up Brandon Byro. But if you're really thinking and then we had Matt Savoy, but right. if you're really thinking who are the top two offensive prospect on the team right now, uh, you know, when you look at the depth chart, Rochester, it's Kulik and Roseanne. So that to me would be like, okay, that's the, you want an infusion of offense. That's where you go. You know, you want to add a few pieces that can play bottom six that can give you good minutes. Rusek is great. Byro's great. That's awesome. But if you're one in infuse, you know, some offense, and and say, look, we're going to try to put these guys in the position right now, and they're going to be on the ice to provide offense. I think you look internally at Kulik and Roseanne. That's what I, that's what I would look at. Okay. Um, but you still have to create roster space. So are you going to move a goaltender so you can accomplish this? Well, I'm, I wouldn't move a goaltender. I think I would. And again, this is, you know, I don't know what the, the the well i think i know now they'd much rather stay with three and kind of just play the game of having three right now they've done that last year and they're doing it this year and and they they're really uh comfortable with that so they that did it to last me- year while scoring 3.6 goals a game they're yes. not now so these are real questions right it, well they are real questions i think they're the first the first question to answer and the first place to look for a roster spot is on defense. Um, you you would need to free up a roster spot on defense. You don't need eight defensemen at this moment. You need to play with 12 forwards and 6D and get into that rhythm where you got your lines set that you can have them for a little while, that you can provide, you know, some support offensively and and work the uh, the dynamic and the chemistry that those players are are playing with. Um, so I would make a roster move and open up a spot on defense. And yes, I would open up a spot in net. The only issue right now is if I look at the way that the season has gone, opening up a spot on on in the crease right now, in my opinion, would mean Devin Levi going to Rochester. And what's that wrong would be, with that? No, I'm. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. I'm saying that would be the only logical move to make he can slide down on way without having to go on waivers go and play some games in rochester keep yourself you know uh, and and get better get get more consistent adjust your game a little bit and then who knows if we need you'll come back up you can do that back and forth a little bit right now um i feel like the Sabres have been trying to say Devin Levi is a guy that we want in Buffalo. Devin Levi is a guy that we want to play NHL games. Um, so that's why I think it's it's a harder decision to to be made. But with the way UPL is playing, and now that Comrie is healthy, and you know, Winnipeg game, like put it aside, that was the numbers are never going to look good. But it wasn't on Eric Comrie. Um, mm. I think you can now maybe look at the month of December and say, hey, spending two, three weeks in Rochester for Devin Levi may not be a bad idea at this moment because we're going to need that roster spot. Yeah, I I mean, who do you think starts tomorrow? Well, I, they've been going a rotation. It should be um, Lukanen, shouldn't it? Yeah, they've been going on a rotation. And so you got Levi, you got Comrie, you got UPL, you know, the last three. I would go back with Lukanen. Um, mm-hmm. That's how I would look. And and really, you've got 
you know, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you probably play all three of them. But for me, you would go back to Luke and then you'd say, hey, you know what? That game in Chicago and, and most of the games this year, you've you've yeah. you've you've looked good. The game in Pittsburgh, like yeah, there was a bad goal, but the Sabres did not create anything. They would have lost that game one nothing. Right. And you would have said, like, okay, it's a one nothing game. And end up four nothing in an empty net, but it's a one nothing game, maybe a two nothing game. They had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would go back with Lucanen against Detroit, uh, against uh, not Detroit, against Washington on Wednesday night, and then probably go. Comrie Friday, Levi Saturday, or vice versa. But that's that's the three of them would probably play. That would be my last week of saying I'm playing three and then I'm making a decision. Mm-hmm. Well, incredibly, as we sit here on November 21st, Jonas Johansson leads the league in saves, minutes played, is second in shutouts, and trails only Georgiev, Talbot, Demko, and Bobrovsky in wins. This is a stunning development for the Lightning, who will get their top netminder back within a month at the very latest. Yes. And for them to continue doing what they've done, why anybody thought to say they're old, they're this, they're whatever. They're great. And they have young players and MVP candidates like Kucherov, who just continue to chase down the Art Ross. Like last night, they pull one out of their, you know what, because they have a Norris Trophy candidate defenseman once again, and Victor Hedman, who, by the way, was never planning his retirement. And he keeps it alive with, five, you know, 10 seconds left at the blue line, down low, Kucherov, Stamkos, tie game against the almighty Boston Bruins, and then they win it in overtime. So, like, this, uh, it's amazing. Okay, well, that, what you're saying there is a perfect, uh, so, I'm so glad you went there. You know that all three Sabres netminders have better, advanced numbers than than Jonas Johansson and Matt Tompkins. Yeah, they, they have, have better, wins. but but here's the difference. Tampa scores. Right. Tampa scoring goals. Why do you Jonas think Johansson, I'm bringing this up? Why did anybody exactly. ever think Tampa wasn't going to keep scoring? That's the whole point. That's how you win yeah. in today's game. Jonas Johansson is 65th out of 75 goalies this year in goals save above expectations. Right. I mean, you're looking at it and you're saying, he's 65 out of 75. You shouldn't be winning games, but... Tampa is saying, yeah, we're going to score. That's how we're going to win games. We're going to score and we're never going to take our foot off the pedal. And we're, we know now we've seen the Sabres play. They struggled. They've not scored over three goals a game since November 4th against Toronto. And they, they rarely get to three and they never get to four. So yeah, it puts a lot more on your goaltenders, but Tampa is scoring. And so you can forget about Johansson and you can forget about Matt Tompkins because they still score goals. And that's, that's the identity they have. Sabres don't have that. And how, how much more do you think they'll win when Vasilevsky comes back? Probably a little bit more. Well, they're already yes. in the playoffs. So I don't expect them to be dropping back anytime soon, even with Sergachev having a tough year. Like it's been more than offset by their depth up front. And I don't see their depth up front going anywhere. I really don't like they, they, they brought in the grinding type guys that they felt would compliment. Look at who scored last night, like the Janos and Watsons of the world, right? Like this is, I just, I don't understand why people expected Tampa and Florida to regress the Panthers went to the cup final on the heels of a year where they were president's trophy winners. What is possibly wrong with them? Who could, why would anybody say that they would take a step back? And why am I talking 
in a heightened voice like this because, uh, because a, you get you get angry. Match, no, no, I'm no, I'm actually trying to match match where you were at on oh, yeah on Friday, and I was actually getting worried. I was like, you might need to mix in a breath at some point <laughs> on Sunday, and I think you did because you were on site and you're all chill and everything. But no, it was just, I just, I, I just, I don't think people give nearly enough credit to these teams that have established themselves as playoff teams. That's all. Well, here's just, the thing: and, and the hardest thing matter? to do. Because because the hardest thing to do is to establish yourself as a playoff team. And once you're there, yeah. it's not easy to get you off that step because you've, you've done it. You, you've experienced it. But all these other teams that are knocking at the door, the Ottawa's and the Detroit and the Buffalo's and, you know, you look out West, the Arizona's and, you know, like they're all knocking, but it's hard to get in. It's hard to get in because you've you, you, the reason why you've not been able to get in is there's something missing, you know, either at the top or either in net or either in depth. I mean, you, you talk about trades at the start of the show. Tampa made a trade two years ago, right? Well, it's a year and a half ago, but they acquired Nick Paul from the Ottawa Senators for Matthew Joseph. Look at how Nick Paul's turned out for them. And, yeah. and it was unexpected. I, to be honest with you, I'll tell you this: the 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 production that Nick Paul has with the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. I mean, he's sitting here with eight goals this year. Um, that's that's pretty significant. Um, is is unexpected. It wasn't what the trade was about. It was about getting a third, fourth line guy that could kill penalties and replace Matthew Joseph or whatnot. It worked out for them. So they did swing and hit on a few of those that has helped with their depth and their produ their production offensively. I, all of them have hit. That's why they've stayed where they are. And I don't really care what 10 years down the road tells us about the Hagel deal. The Hagel deal led them to get a cheap 30 goal scorer, one that they can control and extend. He's on pace to score 30 again. The Hawks took a 17th overall pick in Moore last year. Probably going to turn out to be a good player. They have another first rounder this year. Probably going to turn out to be a good player. Lightning don't care. They're going to get eight to 10 more years out of Brandon Hagel if they want. And he's probably going to keep doing things like he did last night and scoring game winning goals in overtime. Like you can't be, again, they were in a position of strength. They were in a position of strength because they made the right deals to get there. But then once they're there, they keep making these deals because winning is the sole objective. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. I, but there's, Okay, so to go back to your 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 first question to me about trades, right? And mm -hmm. there is players around this time of year now that are calling their agent and saying, "Hey, maybe it'd be better if I go somewhere. Maybe right. I, can you look for a, a better situation? I I need to, I want to play, you know, more meaningful minutes. I want a different role on my team. Um, that can happen." Trading for like a guy like Tomas Hurdle, as you know, you mentioned, is is not easy. Number one, like Hurdle himself is is an example where he has a no movement clause. But there's other comparables somewhere else that you mm -hmm. can say, hey, we could look at players that have shown they can, you know, provide some really good offense right. uh, that can fit into the system and everything. You just gotta find the right partner, find the right player, and mm -hmm. then bring him in because again. You're going to get Tage Thompson back. You're going to get Jack Quinn back. And you you may be in a position where you're going to have to move a, a player or two after the fact, just because you're going to be, you know, in, in that position. When those guys come back, you're, Zach Benson isn't going anywhere right now. So I'm not saying like, oh, you're going to send Zach Benson to, to juniors. He's not going anywhere. There's somebody else that would be punted because Zach Benson has over, overperformed 
uh, some of the players that are on the roster. True, but you've already said that if at a point in time, whether it's game 19 or 22, yep. uh, Benson is dropping off, then you send him back to junior. And you move off of some of your bottom six that aren't producing to the level that one presumes they aren't. They may be playing well to a certain extent, but they're not helping the offense get to back to where it was last year. So I don't like, you can't, to me, like it, this idea that if you made a trade, then you would have too many players doesn't, it. I can't compute that because you, you will always have what you want to have. It's that simple. And you you want to have the most impactful players. And I'm sorry, the reality of pro sports is if you're no longer making an impact, then a team has the right to move off of you. And again, the only thing that the two things that prompted this discussion were reality of 12 goals in the last six games and the calendar and the cliche that comes with it in the NHL, that this is the time that discussions are supposed to start materializing because teams clearly see that time is slipping away from them if they haven't had the start. And I'm not saying that's the case with Buffalo, but you, there's no way you could find me one person in the organization that says we're exactly where we want to be. No, who, there's who would ever say no. There, nobody would say that, right? So no, no, nobody would say that. And even if you were the most positive person and you looked at, oh, look at where we were last year. I'm sure we can make up a few more points in the, from now until the end of the season because we were in the same boat last year. We were in the middle of a losing streak last year, and then we, you know, we weren't getting any points. Well, yeah, the most positive person would look at it and say that's not happening. Last season, the Sabers had ten players. 30 points or more, right? So you, that's, that was significant. You say, okay, you got 10 guys that have at least 30 points and you, you look at your offense and that's the driving force with Tage Thompson and Tuck and Skinner. This year, I look at, you know, if you prorate it, you multiply by four, you're going to get Six. seven players right now. Seven. But if you add Zach Benson, it would be eight because Benson has four points in eight games. So he doesn't, but, you're not getting mm -hmm. 10, 12 guys that are projected to be in the 30s, 40s, 50 points and more. You're getting six guys maybe. And who knows where Tage Thompson, because of his absence, is going to be when it's all coming back and Jack Quinn's not there. You're you're definitely two or three pieces short in the yeah. production. That's just as simple as that. Yeah. Um, do you think the short term is to play Darlene even more? Because we just saw him hit consecutive time on ice highs for the season, both Friday and then topped by, you know, his performance on, on Sunday in Chicago. Well, I think you got to consider it because there's not a lot of offense that happens when Darlene's not on the ice. There's his ability. And I mean, yeah, the next closest to Darlene was Samuelson at 22 minutes. You, there's a seven minutes difference between your top D and your second D. That's a, that's a huge difference. But for me, that the offense is only coming when Darlene's on the ice. The transition's only coming when Darlene's on the ice. Um, Ryan Johnson has done well. I think if you give him 18 minutes, maybe you can see a little bit more comfort and a little bit more giddy up in his game. Uh, but you're not getting that from Owen Power right now. And you're obviously are not getting that from Connor Clifton at all. So that to me is why I would continue to play Darlene as much as Don Granado's played him, even when they have 7D. They play Darlene almost 30 minutes a game because they know that's 
he's the one guy that generates transition and quickness through, uh, you know, going from defensive zone, neutral zone, offensive zone, and let's go. When within the breakdown of Darlene's near 30 minutes on Sunday at five on five, he played 10 and a half minutes with Matias Samuelson and the numbers would suggest it didn't go particularly well as far as yeah. chances created and chances against. And yet Ryan Johnson emerged steadily through the game and ended up playing eight minutes at five on five with Darlene. And it, you know, it was even across the board as far as chances for and against. You would obviously want that to be better, but it's better than <laughs> than being on the wrong side of it significantly. So I found that to be an incredible uh, storyline on a night when weekend when Darlene was ascending that they started giving Johnson even more minutes. It's not something they've shied away from. Um, even from night one, obviously, that first game in Toronto, we saw Johnson get to play with uh, Darlene in the third period of that game. So, um, yeah, I think if you're sitting here talking big picture, how many players at each position to carry, it, it's almost it's almost as hard right now to imagine them without Ryan Johnson as without Zach Benson. Agree? Disagree? A hundred percent agree. And you point out the shot attempts. Um you know, with or without, that's that's always something that you got to look for and saying, oh, how did they work together? Mm -hmm. You know, Darlene and Samuelson, even though they are a pair that we've been consistently seeing on the ice, when training camp started, it, it didn't look like it was going to be that way, right? And then they switched things around a little bit. They went back to what's familiar. I think Ryan Johnson gives them a nice option. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to unlock a little bit more transition, more speed, more quickness, maybe you look at Darlene and Ryan Johnson together to give them that, that, that added jump, right? And really, to be honest with you, it's, it's not just Darlene and Johnson will do. Then it allows Paterka to get better off the ice. And then it allows for, you know, talk to get better off the ice. It allows for cousins to be better off the ice because it all starts from who do you got together on the blue line that's moving the puck off the ice. And right now you got Darlene. You need to find somebody with him so that it helps. It helps the transition at least when he's on the ice 28 minutes out of the game. You remember saying something the other day uh, about the Kings that I went, huh? and you were like, yeah. And I'm like, really? And I fact-checked. You know what I fact-checked last night? Where did you fact-check? Quentin Byfield is, in fact, the youngest player on the LA Kings. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not by much, but but he is still. But it's worth noting because here we are talking about prospects and projections and things like that. It's taken Byfield a while, obviously, but it, it feels like a while calendar-wise. It's yes. not actually a lot in NHL games played. But let's say in round numbers, he scored 30 points in his first 100 NHL games. He's on a point-per-game pace this year right now after another Kings win last night. It's pretty impressive. He and Kopitar and Kempe and whatever. I mean, the Kings and Cam Talbot are flying right now, but I thought you would appreciate that little fact check. And historic day on Sunday, the Sabres, the Bills, and a Montreal Alouettes Grey <laughs> Cup win. It's only the second time in history that's ever happened. That's how I wasted yesterday fact-checking to the nth degree. Chris Baker gets it intuitively, <laughs> instinctively, and of course, we'll bring everything prospect-wise when we continue. But we want to remind you to get involved in the Sabres Learn to Play program. It's hockey instruction for kids four to nine years old. You can receive head-to-toe hockey equipment and six weeks of on-ice instruction from certified coaches. Join today at sabres.com slash learn to play. Back after this.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.